Welcome back to episode 18, part two of Ex-Boyfriends. We continue on with more stories. Originally, I had recorded this episode in one single episode, and it was over an hour and a half. So I felt that it would be better to break it up so that you could take a little break, get away from me, and then come back and want to listen some more. So if you can count, that's two engagements now. I'm a little bit of a runaway bride. Honestly, every time I've been engaged, I've thought it was the right thing to do, but then as it started to progress or I started to think about it, I didn't necessarily feel like I was secure in it. And my parents were married for 40 plus years um, and I always kind of respected, you know, marriage. And so to me, even if it was legal or not legal at the time, I wasn't going to get married unless I meant it and it, it meant the right thing. And so I never got married. Um, I do have my father's wedding ring after he died. My uh, father gave it to me in his will, and so I do wear it on my right hand on the wedding finger. In early 2014, I moved to Burlingame, California, which is just outside of San Francisco. It's actually where the airport is, a cute little town, and I was working there. I'd created a profile on gay.com to see if there was anybody who was interested in hanging out or dating, and I met a guy who lived in Twin Peaks in San Francisco, and we started talking, and before I knew it, we were actually liking each other, and we scheduled the date. Me being kind of new again to California. I grew up there, but I had been gone for 18 years. I wanted to do the California dream type of commercial. So I got logs and blanket and put together picnic and we went to the beach and had a little uh, log fire and I had all the nice food and blanket and everything. And it was super charming and whatnot. His name was Curtis and known today as the stalker. And so Curtis and I liked each other and we ended up hanging out quite a bit for about a year. And then things started to change a little bit. Now, around the same time, my sister started not feeling well and she ended up being diagnosed with leukemia. And she was at UCSF receiving leukemia treatment. And I, she would be inpatient for a month at a time and I would go every single night and have dinner with her. And for six months I did this. And when I was at work, if Curtis was off, he would go hang out with her and talk to her and spend time with her. And I thought that was a cool and kind of nice of him. So I didn't have a problem with it. I was about to turn 40 and I decided that I wanted to have a kind of a getaway up north in, in an area of California called Crescent City, which is on the Oregon-California border. So Curtis, myself, and my friend Ruth went up there. Curtis and I ended up having some issues. We pretty much parted ways after that. And I had a big birthday party planned and I canceled it and sent, let everyone know. And I ended up having just a family party. When I got to my family party, I was blowing out the candles and all of a sudden I noticed something was kind of weird and I'm like, what's going on? And my family was going to have an intervention at my birthday party. Now why? Because Curtis had made up these stories and told my sister about my health, that I was a drug user, all these different things. And she, instead of contacting me, believed him and told all of my other siblings. And now they were ready to have an intervention with me. Finally, getting them all talked down, I then had to contact her and say, what are you doing? You didn't even reach out to me to ask me about this. And she just answered, I am going through leukemia treatment and I can't deal with this. You need to figure out what's going on with you and that boy. And that was the last time I talked to her since 2014. So Curtis was still kind of in and out of my life. He would, you know, send me text messages. He would come by, do different things. And out of nowhere, he got a dog. His dog's name was Honey. And Honey was the love of my life. I loved that dog more than anything to the point that when I finally had to part ways with him forever, I had to almost pretend that 
Honey had died because I loved her so much. Oh, and he knew that. He used it to his advantage. When I had moved to California, I had a Jeep Grand Cherokee that was this green that was only 500 of these Jeeps had been made and I was going to get rid of it. And so Curtis had bought it from me um, before I sold it to anybody else. When he and I were not together, I got up one morning at 5 a.m. and I saw that Jeep driving around my neighborhood and it freaked me out. I then started noticing it at nighttime and noticing it more often. He was driving around my apartment in that Jeep. One, I think he knew that I knew the Jeep. And two, I think he just didn't give a shit. Around the same time, I started having things happen like I would be in bed at two in the morning and my buzzer would ring. I would get a text message from a number I didn't know. I would um, have people knocking at the door or sending me messages that I had no idea who they were on, on like scruff and stuff. And I'm like, what the hell's going on? And one day I was at work and I got a text message from some guy who said, hey, it was great chatting with you on Scruff. I wondered if you did want to get together this afternoon. And I just replied back, excuse me, I'm not even on Scruff right now and I'm at work. He then said, wait, where's your profile? Where's your pictures? And he said, oh, I got a snapshot really quick. He sent me a snapshot of what he was seeing and it wasn't me, it was other people's pictures, but the person who was using me as the identity gave my name, my phone number, and this guy thought that I had been talking to him and that I was wanting to hook up. So immediately then I realized, oh shit, that's why I'm getting 2 a.m. people at my door or getting people sending me messages that I have no idea what they're talking about. And I couldn't place what was going on. So Curtis had come over with the dog and we were gonna go for a walk at the beach with our dogs. And so we did. And I had a tendency to call the dogs monkeys. And around the same time, there was this guy that I was talking to that I was a little suspicious of. And I just, at the same time, just kind of got annoyed because every time I would log on to Scruff, he would just shoot me like hundreds of questions and like just trying to pry information and just over and over and over. And I kind of got to the point where I was starting to ignore him because it was just annoying. It was always just all these questions. So we went for our beach walk. Curtis left Honey at my house. He was going to go to his house and get something. And then he was going to come back. I was cooking. I logged on to Scruff. And that guy that was asking me all the questions was on. And he said, I have a new nickname for you. And I said, how could you have a nickname for me if we've never even met? And he goes, oh, I just thought of one for you. And I said, okay. And he said, monkey. And I said, what? He said, monkey. And I realized immediately, oh, fuck. It was Curtis. Because all day I had been calling the dogs monkey. So I, of course, confronted him on it. He denied it. And I kicked him out of my apartment. Another time he showed up at my apartment late he put his car in the parking garage so he couldn't get it out so i said he could stay the night and whatnot and he tried to rape me i mean literally i had to physically pull him off me and almost like beat the shit out of this dude and i kicked him out in the middle of the night without his car and his dog and i said get the fuck out of here and he was like oh i can't believe you just kicked me out in the middle of the night in the city you know that was so horrible and i'm like don't ever fucking put your hands on me like that or you will be fucking worse off than you were before motherfucker so the fake profiles constantly kept coming people would i would get these messages out of nowhere oh I, I swear we've met you know me and i'm like no i don't know you and always had they would have a profile picture but then they would have to send the pictures inside of the message and that was my clue and they would ask a thousand questions all the time and i had a feeling it was curtis and so i went to the san francisco police department first i contacted scruff and scruff told me they couldn't do anything without police reports or a subpoena from the police department so I went to the San Francisco Police Department and I met with the Internet Crimes Division and they issued the required documentation or uh, reports to Scruff and they pulled everything for Curtis's phone number 
and he had created 28 different profiles that he was harassing me with. So now they asked me what I wanted to do. And of course, I'm not a person who really wants to ruin people's lives. I just said, you know what? I don't want to ruin his life, but I want him to stop and I want him to get the message that he has to stop this. So they sent over a peace officer and let him know that they were aware and that I was aware and that he needed to stop. And it did for a while. And then every now and then I would get this weird message and I'd be like, oh yeah, that's kind of weird. When I moved to Seattle, I had been here about a month and I had not told him I was moving to Seattle. Out of nowhere, he popped up in Seattle telling me he was around the corner. And I didn't believe him at first, but then when I looked and saw him on Scruff and I saw that fucking green Jeep, I knew that he was in Seattle. And he just kind of passed through and didn't do anything and I haven't seen him since. I wasn't physically afraid of him, but I will tell you, the idea, even when I lived in San Francisco, of him just lurking around, just fucking freaked me out big time. Sometimes I would like literally be watching my back as I was walking the dog because I knew that that fucking Jeep and him would be around. And when it showed up in Seattle, man, I got a, like the little hairs on my back and my arms just kind of stuck up. But he was on his way to a concert, I think, at Watershed. And then I haven't heard from him since, thank God. Post-Curtis stalking, I moved to San Francisco and lived in Knob Hill and started dating casually, and eventually I met someone. I met a guy, I think on Scruff, by the name of Justin, who lived in San Francisco. He was originally from L.A., and he was a nurse. And we just originally were like kind of fuck buddies, and then he had an issue with his foot that ended up requiring him to stay off of it, and then his grandmother died, and he had to walk on it, so he injured it even worse and whatnot, and so he came around more to my place and I kind of helped him out and would cook for him and, you know, keep him off his foot and everything. And so we kind of started dating. I was very generous with Justin. I would get him all the great little treats he liked. I would go take little gifts to his work. I bought him baseball caps. I bought him outfits. I bought him shoes. Just all kind of things you do when you're dating someone. I even had a special martini suitcase made for him for his birthday one year. And we weren't necessarily exclusive, but we were respectful of each other and that, you know, if we were going to fool around or we were going to be with somebody else, whatnot, we would just kind of say, hey, I'm going to do something else. And, you know, it was fine. Early on, Justin did the number one thing that I hate, which is when someone sends you a text message and you don't reply for a day or two. To me, that is so rude and so disrespectful. If you're busy, you have something going on, just say, hey, I'm, I'm busy. I have something going on. I'm not able to reply. But I know that you're looking at your phone, so don't pretend that you're not looking at your phone. That was the first strike for him. Also... Give me the respect of where I placed you in my life and that you accepted. Don't treat me like I'm a trick or somebody that you don't know. The second was Easter when I was going to go to my mom's house and I asked him, did you want to come as he had already met my family? And he said, no, I have to let the neighbors downstairs new roommate in. She's coming today and they're out of town and I got to get her the key. I'm like, okay, no worries. And so I went to my mom's, no big deal. A couple days later, he had left a hat at my house. So I went to go drop off the hat and he said, hey, babe, I'm downstairs at the neighbors. I'm like, okay, so I went down there. I asked them, how's the new roommate? And they went into and elaborated about the new roommate. But Justin had told me it was a girl. No, the new roommate was a new gay boy who I already knew that Justin must have already fucked and was done with because he was talking so bad about him. But it was just like, why would you lie? Like, it wasn't like that we were so exclusive or like you had to come up with a story. And to me, that really, really pissed me off from the standpoint of like, you fabricated this whole story to just avoid going to Easter with my family and go fuck some little twink that you had met before, which I found out later. And we weren't exclusive. Why come up with a big old story? What's the big deal? And the last was on his birthday, which is 420. 
of 2018. In 2018, I had had all those work issues with uh, having to become a whistleblower, and he kind of said, babe, I really don't know if I can get involved in all this drama and whatnot, even though I had helped him with a court case that he was involved in. So it was his birthday, 420, and he had asked me if I would go with him to a family dinner. And I said, sure. When we first met when he hurt his foot before his grandmother had died, we had talked about going to Paris at one point. But then with his grandmother dying and him hurting his foot, he had no time off from work, and we just decided that maybe another year. So for his birthday, I put together a gift that was complete of all French items. There was French lavender that I had flown in. There was French vanilla M&Ms. There was cheeses that I had flown in. There was guidebooks. There were language books. There were champagne glasses from France. There was, I mean, everything you can think of. There was wine actually in there as well. And um, I had it all ready for him before we went to dinner. But in the gift, there was a second gift. And that was when you got to a certain part of it, you opened the beret and then you saw the shirt that said, ooh la la. And then there was a clue that there was another gift. The second gift was a Demi Magnum, which is three liters of French champagne from Veuve Clicquot. In the wooden box and the champagne was about $450 for that bottle. So we went to dinner with his family. And when we were done, he said, hey babe, can you go by my house? I said, sure. So we went by his house and he got a hat and he said, can you drop me off over at the stud? I'm like, what are you doing? And he goes, I'm going to a party. And I go, you're not inviting me? And he said, no, babe, I can't just invite anybody. This is the who's who of San Francisco. And that was it. I was like, oh, okay, great. So then he proceeded to be missing for two days and finally called me after his birthday. Oh, babe, it was such, so much fun. It was crazy, blah, 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 all this bullshit. And I said, you know, did you open your bottle of champagne? Yeah, I did with like some tweet that was here that was fucking and like whatnot. And I'm like, wow, you, you have no respect for anything. And you just kind of, not that I wanted to drink it with him, but more so that I wanted him to enjoy it. I wanted him to do it with his friends, not just some random Twinkasaurus that he had picked up at the stud. And that was it. I was done. And I told him I was done. And he proceeded to, you know, still try to get a hold of me, still try to come around. And I was like, nope, I'm done. And the last week I was in San Francisco, we went to dinner and he cried and cried. And I said, Justin, there's no need. Stop it because I'm leaving. You know, it's too late. Okay. A month after I left San Francisco and was living in Seattle, I had to go back to sell my Vespa. And I was staying with a friend and I didn't want to let Justin know that I was coming because I just didn't want to see him. And I was really just over him. And I was on Scruff and he saw me and he's like, babe, you're in town. You didn't tell me. And I'm like, yeah, I'm in town. Let's do dinner. So the last night I was there, I finally said, okay, fine, let's do dinner. Justin, of course, for some reason, picked like 10 o'clock at night to do dinner. Everything was closed. We walked around trying to find someone to eat. It was really fucking annoying. And when he showed up, he had a piece of paper with stuff written on it. And I go, what's that? And he goes, oh, babe, I thought I'd put together a list of all the things that you've bought me over the years that I liked just so you would know. I said, Justin, you're so fucking delusional because I'll tell you what, I'm never buying you another thing again. So you can keep your little list. And after that, I never talked to him again. Until, fast forward to two years ago, I get a text message from Justin telling me that he's coming to Seattle with some friends. And I said, okay. And he said, it'd be great if we could get together and hang out. You can meet all of my different friends that you haven't met yet. We're renting an Airbnb and we're going to be staying in the Central District. So I thought, okay, we'll see what happens when they get here. So they got here and he texted me, hey, come downtown and hang out with us. We're hanging out. And I was working on the fence and it was summer. So I got cleaned up and I headed downtown. So I went and I hung out with him and his friends. And it was fun. It was actually really cool. 
At that point, he then told me that, oh, hey, babe, I forgot to tell you. I booked my airplane ticket for three days later than when they're leaving, and we won't have the Airbnb because I thought I could come stay with you. Immediately, I was like, oh, good God, really? But I was like, fine, you can stay upstairs. There's an extra bedroom up there. So on the Monday they left, he was at the Airbnb, but he was leaving the Airbnb, and he had texted me in the morning to tell me that he was going to be hanging out with a friend at the coffee shop and to let him know when I was leaving work and going to my parking garage because he would walk down and meet me at the parking garage. And I did, and he met me at the parking garage. The minute he got in the car, he was like, babe, I'm so starved. Babe, I don't, I, 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 we gotta get something to eat. We gotta go stop at a gas station or something. I'm just so hungry. I'm like, I thought you were at a coffee shop all day. He was like, no, sorry, babe, I lied. I've been fucking this boy all morning. And then I thought to myself, oh dear God, why did I say yes to this? So we get to my house and all he's doing is talking about where he wants to go eat, what he wants to do, where he wants to go eat, where can we go? What are the options? Like just nonstop. We picked a Szechuan place in Capitol Hill and we went there. He ordered six entrees and he ate almost every single thing. And I thought to myself, oh my God, you are gonna be sick. Sure enough, the next day I'm at work, he texts me, do you have any Tums? Do you have any this? Do you have any that? I'm sick. I'm so sick. I shouldn't eat that much. I'm like, yeah, I could have told you that. And then a list of restaurants he thought we should go to that night. And I was already done. I walked in the door from work and he was all, babe, I think we should go here because I can't do this. And I don't know if that'll be good for my stomach. But I said, Justin, I just walked in the door. I need a minute to decompress before we start into this. Okay. And at the time I had another friend living here, um, who's my friend Douglas, who was staying, he stayed for about a year. Uh, in one of the bedrooms upstairs and he was here as well and Justin and him were kind of joking back and forth and we decided we were going to go to dinner around the corner by our house. When I got into Douglas's car, I told myself, get the fuck out. Get out. Get out. And I didn't get out and I thought to myself, oh God, this isn't going to end well. And sure enough, we got to the restaurant and Justin started in on Oh, babe, you don't understand. We met the most amazing people in Seattle. They were the who's who, the best. We got the best cocaine, babe. You don't understand. We got this and this and like, and I, like everything was always the best, the best, the best, the best, you know? There was never any like bad whatnots. And oh, and the bottom I was fucking today was so amazing whatnot. And I said, Justin, shut the fuck up. I'm so sick of listening to you talk. I've been listening to you talk for the last three fucking years. Shut up or I will kill you. And I'm like, do you think everything is always the best? And the, the, you think this tweet that was letting you fuck him for eight hours wasn't on drugs? I'm like, you're ridiculous. You're so delusional and you're such a fucking user. Shut up. A guy sitting next to us actually <laughs> leaned over and said, yeah, Justin, shut up. Well, Justin then proceeded to go to the bathroom and Douglas looked at me and goes, oh my God, Joe. I go, what? He goes, when you get serious, he goes, you get scary. And I go, why? He goes, because you get really clear. Your words are very enunciated. And dinner just kind of was dinner and that was it. We got back to the house. I went to my bedroom and I shut the door and Justin knocked on the door and he said, Hey babe, I'm going to go to the airport. I got a hotel at the airport. I'm going to, you know, cause I'm going to fly out tomorrow anyway. And so I'm just going to go there. Thank you so much. I love you. And I'm like, you don't have to leave, but I just need a break from you. And he's like, no, no, I'm going I'm like, okay, fine. About 45 minutes later, I went on scruff and I noticed that Justin was around the corner with some boy of scruff. I'm like, Oh good God. It literally never fucking changes. And I hadn't talked to him for a little over a year and a half until the week that my dog died, he texted me this stupid thing that goes, this guy's playing a guitar and he goes, you're a cunt. And I told him, wow, the universe really hates me because not only do I hear from the asshole you on the week that my dog died, now I have to fucking, you know, explain why you're even texting me. Until about recently, I hated Justin and I don't hate a lot of people, but I really hated Justin. 
and his mother was ill and she was, you know, slowly deteriorating. And I used to say, one day he's going to call me to tell me that his mother died. And I'm going to tell him it's because she had a horrible son. That's how much I despised him. I actually don't wish harm or anything on anybody, but I actually really wanted to see Justin in pain, like hurt for some reason. I'm over that now, but at that time, yes, I really wanted to see him hurt. My nickname for Justin is who's who's using who, because he is such a user, it's not even funny. And then his stupid comment about the who's who. I feel so fucking sad. I feel so fucking free. I feel so good now that you're not the one who's fucking me. I feel so out of sorts. I feel so put together. I feel like starting a war. I think you should run for cover. Go on and make your mistakes. I won't be one of them. You can't make my stitches, bitch. You know you put them there. And all these cuts are still oozing. Only been six weeks. With all the time I shut my mouth. Will you shy out for me? So then I moved to Seattle, and the third week I was here, I had to go back to San Francisco because I had a Vespa that I needed to sell there because I couldn't bring it in the U-Haul, and I was going to go get it ready to sell. On my way back to San Francisco, I was driving. I got three hours from Portland, and I got a flat tire in my Mini Cooper. Now, Mini Coopers and BMWs have what are called run flats, which you can go, you know, 100 miles distance at 50 miles an hour. And when I bought the car, I was like, well, there's that okay? Like, there's no spare. What do you do? He goes, well, there's always a tire within 100 miles. Well, of course not. I got a flat tire in Oakland, Oregon, three hours from Portland, and I had to wait there for roadside for three hours to come get me and then go back three hours to Portland. When I got to Portland, we were going up a one-way street uh, in the tow truck, and we were trying to figure out how we were going to get the car off at the hotel, and the skateboarder thought we were in the bike lane, which he was going the wrong way. He got off his skateboard, hit the tow truck, and then hit my car and dented the back of my car. I then went into the hotel, and as I was undoing my dog's leash, my backpack got a painting on the wall that was in glass, and it fell off the wall and shattered all over the ground. I had had it. I was done. I then went to this place called Burgerville, which was around the corner, to get something to eat, and that's when I met my friend Jay, who is my best friend today. But at that point, we actually were seeing each other, or we, we actually developed romantic feelings for each other, and we decided to date. So that is the next boyfriend. When I met Jay, he had just had a tragedy in his life. In January of 2018, he and his partner had decided that they were going to open up and start full-time their upholstery business and design business, which was amazing. And Randy, Jay's partner, started having some back problems. Around March, February, I'm sorry, around February he had um, some x-rays done and they were kind of inconclusive. So then they had an MRI done and by April he was diagnosed with metastatic lung cancer and he died shortly after that. Now I met Jay in August and we used to joke that Randy had given me the flat tire so that I could meet Jay because Jay believed that if Randy were to pick somebody that he would want Jay to be with or have in his life, it would be somebody like me. We had a blast. I mean, we literally both weren't working. We ran around both cities, Portland and Seattle, and had an amazing time. Um, and it was just amazing. Then in January, Jay started to pull away and started to get a little distance and wouldn't talk to me. And I kind of had an idea of what was going on. Every month, there would be a new anniversary of something that had happened, you know, to him and Randy. And obviously, they were horrible, you know, memories. And he just didn't want to talk about 
But I don't mind if you don't want to talk about it. You don't want to have to explain and you don't want to go into it. But he would just kind of get mean and, and like push me away. And I would tell him all the time, I'm actually on your side. Just say, I don't want to talk about it. I'm going through something. I'll talk to you later. Uh, you know, I'm fine. Just if you give me a, a little time, that's fine. I'm an adult. I can totally handle that. But he couldn't do it. So we kind of took a little break then. And then again, over the summer, we decided that we would start seeing each other again. And we did. And then back January, February, March, April, the same thing happened. And then that's when I said, you know what? I think that we need to just be friends. And we've been very, very good friends. Um, we had a little bump most recently, which falls into the next X. By the way, Jay's nickname is Slut Puppy, just because I like it. We haven't talked for a year or so. I can tell from your voice that it's not the call you wanted. If you were honest. And I heard from a friend that you're doing well. And you gave what you owe me to someone else. Well, you got it. I hope it's what you wanted. I've got to live with the damage done. But I can't let you go. Cause you're in my blood. Tell me, do I ever cross your mind? Jason was from Salt Lake City, Utah. I met him on Scruff and we started to chat. And within a month, he flew here and then I flew to see him. And then he came for Thanksgiving and then he came for Christmas. And we had a huge, horrible snowstorm that closed our passes and he stayed here. At the same time, I had decided I was going to leave full-time work and I was going to travel as a medical traveler. And so it kind of worked out because Jason was here. He could kind of watch the house and hang out and then also take care of my dog because I was going to be going to Wisconsin. Well... Waiting for Wisconsin licensure took way longer, and so I ended up taking an assignment in Olympia, Washington, which is about 55 miles away from my house. So I ended up staying, and so Jason just kind of stayed here. He kept his apartment in Salt Lake, but he pretty much had a residence here. When I met Jason, Jay had told me that he thought Jason was the perfect guy for me, and quickly became very distant and very unable to talk to me, and I confronted him on it, and he said that he had thought that he and I were gonna end up together, and that. He was worried he was going to lose me. And I said, well, I don't know how you thought we were going to end up together since it's been over a year and a half since we even talked about a relationship. And you've been very active sexually, and so have I. And we never even talked about us getting back together. What it was is that he was scared that I was going to leave or that he was going to lose me. And so for the year that I dated Jason, Jay would not answer any phone calls, but he would text. And I would at least try to text him one or two times a week because I felt that what we had was too good to just throw it away. You know, that genuine friendship where you can say whatever you want, you, you can trust this person, you have unconditional love for this person, and yet there's not the romantic tie-ups or kind of problems that, you know, you sometimes have in other things. We had been past all that. We were now at a really good spot. Because I was starting a new work adventure, I kind of had my guard down or kind of wasn't even trusting my gut or even considering what my gut was telling me about Jason. Immediately when I met Jason, a lot of things didn't make sense. And normally I would ask questions about them or even kind of be like, okay, yeah, whatever. But I just kind of was like, whatever. I, I don't want to get involved in it. And also I don't really necessarily care at the moment because I had a lot of other things going on. I had to worry about this house. I had to worry about my dog that was 14 and a half that ended up dying um, a couple months after I started medical traveling. And then I had to worry about the fact that I had Jason here at my house. 
He had told me that he had been married but divorced to a man and that they were only married for a year when actually they were married much longer and that they only lived together for a year as well. And at their wedding, they had 3,000 people. His sister had been killed by her husband in a crime of passion and he had told me that he was supposed to be there that evening and that he wanted to kill Jason as well. His grandfather had died in a home fire and he had told me that he was supposed to be there and it was actually the grandfather's girlfriend who set the house on fire. He had told me that this friend of his named Connor was just a friend and that they didn't get along any longer uh, because Connor was a kid and Jason just didn't want to deal with him. And he had told me that because he didn't own a home, he had an apartment, that he paid a lot in taxes and he had taxes in the rears. So me being the gentleman and also thinking that we were building a relationship together and eventually going to be a future, I paid for his taxes in the rears every week I would give him $400 because he said he owed $4,000. When I went to visit Jason, he had told me that he had told all his friends and people who had keys to his house that none of them were allowed that weekend over because he wanted just to spend time with me. Well, now I know that that wasn't true. I also gave him $250 a week for groceries and started to notice that I would come home and there'd be no groceries. I couldn't figure out what was going on. So I asked him about it and he said that groceries had gone up and that he couldn't get all the stuff that I normally got. And so I said, okay, well, I'll give you more money. So I gave him $300 a week for groceries for just he and I. When I met Jason, Jason had just lost a lot of weight and was looking amazing and was not so comfortable in his clothing or with himself. And so I wanted to make him feel better and I wanted him to look the way that he felt. And so I bought him all new wardrobe. We're talking coats, boots, jeans, slacks, dress coats, everything, shirts, you name it. Winter, summer, I even bought him, we're talking cologne, we're talking Ray-Bans, the whole nine yards. A watch, a wallet, everything. A beard trimmer, the whole shit. I also bought him an e-bike and a regular Trek bike. A bike rack made by Thule to go on the back of his uh, SUV, the helmets, and all the attachments and things that go with it, you know, because that's what you do. I bought him a paddleboard and one of those really expensive life jackets that are kind of the ones that are on the airplane that have the little CO2 canisters that refill itself. I paid for his car to have service done. I bought him chains for his car. Let's see, I had his car detailed. I had moved a lot of sandwiches flown in from New Orleans fresh one day, but pretty much he was living the life. He had it pretty good here. The first week of June, Jason got a call from his landlord who stated that his ex wanted his security deposit back and it was gonna be $2,000. So considering that Jason and I were building a future together and I thought we were gonna to be together, I gave him the $2,000 to pay his ex to get out of the lease. In the second week of June, Jason had let me know that he had a concern about his job. He had made a mistake that required him to have a filing for the FDIC done by a certain date or time and he didn't complete it and we went on vacation and so it sat for the week that we were gone. His concern was that they had an open position and that normally they only brought in two candidates for the position and this time they were bringing in five. And so he was concerned that because of the error that he had made, he thought maybe they were looking to fire him and actually hire somebody else. So he had let me know that he was going to discuss this with his boss because they had a really good relationship and he would you know, do it sooner than later. In the meantime, Jason's birthday was July 16th 
and we had an amazing birthday here. I bought him every item on every page in the Lillian Vernon catalog, and he had all the modern luxuries that anybody could possibly want. I think I spent over $2,000 on this birthday, and I had a cake for him, and we blew out the candles. The dogs were here. It was amazing. The following week, I was on call in Olympia, which is 52 miles away, and I started on Thursday, and I wouldn't be done until Monday morning at 6 a.m. Unfortunately, because I cover stroke call, I have to be within 30 minutes of the hospital, which meant I had to stay in Olympia, which was 52 miles away. And Jason was here at the house. On Thursday, I had gotten off work. We talked like we normally did, and I went and took a nap. And then I called him after I awoke from my nap, and he let me know that he had had the discussion with his boss. And the discussion went in a different direction. Instead of him thinking he was being fired, they actually had a great opportunity for him that was in Salt Lake City and that he would need to go to and train and it was gonna happen sooner than later. I asked him, when will you be leaving? And he said, tomorrow night, which was Friday because he would have to be there on Monday. I'm in Olympia, I can't get back to say goodbye. I can't say goodbye to the dogs. He has to just go and he, he reassures me this is just all gonna be distance and it's gonna be great. He'll be back in six months. He even told the neighbors across the street he'd be back in six months. And you know, it was just gonna be for training, no big deal. On Friday morning, I talked to him before he left and I asked him, Jason, be honest with me. Are you leaving for an opportunity at work or are you leaving because you're just done with Seattle or done with me? And he said, no, 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 it's an opportunity at work. I said, okay. I also asked him if he was okay money-wise, if he had enough money to pay for gas and drive back to Salt Lake City. And he said, well, it's a little tight, but I, I think I'll be okay. So I Venmoed him another $250. On Friday evening after work, he packed up all his stuff and he headed to Salt Lake City and called me and we talked on the phone. I later that evening noticed that all the cameras on the alarm had been turned off. He had turned them off so that I couldn't see what he was packing. He had left me little notes everywhere that talked about how uh, our love is endless and timeless and I would see him in six months and that it was just distance and, and that he missed me already and he hoped he wasn't making a mistake and that we were always gonna be together and all these amazing things. And honestly, I didn't buy it. I was on to him and I knew something was up. Monday, where he was supposed to be at his training at the office, he called me at eight o'clock my time, which would have been nine o'clock Salt Lake time. And I said, aren't you supposed to be in the office? And he said, oh yeah, yeah, I'm gonna get the shower in a minute. It's really close. I don't have to be there till you know a certain time. I'm like, okay, that was weird. He also then made an error, which he sent me a picture of one of the dogs sitting in the sun in the middle of the day. And I said, I thought you were in the office. Oh, that was from the day before. Everything was just like, what, what, what? And on Wednesday, he told me he was going to go see his niece and that he would uh, text me or call me when he was done. I never heard from him. I called him that night. I called him, uh, I texted him, never heard back. The next day, I texted him in the morning, didn't hear back, called him and didn't hear back. So at around noon that day, I finally called him and he proceeded to say, well, I would think that you would be worried about me more than asking me what's going on. And I'm like, no, Jason, a lot of things aren't making sense. And I'm gonna call bullshit. He then says to me, you've been cheating on me since April. And I know. I'm like, what? No, I haven't. He's like, yeah. And I was like, you're delusional. He then says to me, I love you and I've always loved you and I don't wanna ever talk to you again. And hangs up the phone and I hadn't talked to him ever since. So remember I said he started talking about losing his job two weeks before his birthday? Well, that was him plotting that he was gonna be leaving is what I figured out later. He had planned this whole thing and he waited until after his birthday though. Now, let's go through some of the things that 
I immediately know her lies, and I don't know what else more is lies because Jason literally made up so much crap, and I ended up falling for what I call the scruff swindler. So, Jason's last name, he had said that it was his mother's last name. Come to find out, it's his ex's last name. He swore to me that I made this up, but I didn't because one of the travelers that I worked with came to our Thanksgiving, and he had just been married to a girl. And I asked him, oh, what was her last name before? And he said, England, which is what Jason's last name was. And I said, oh, that's so interesting. And when they came to Thanksgiving, she talked to him about it, and he told her it was his mother's maiden name. And I asked them after he had left if they remembered that conversation. They said, yes, that's what he told us. He wasn't married for a year. He was married for eight. And he was not only living with this guy for one year, he was living with him for much longer. And the reason why the guy wanted the $2,000 or the washer and dryer back, because when I met Jason, he was helping move a friend's washer and dryer, which was the ex's washer and dryer. He had told me he had hoped that he could find out where the ex lived because in Utah, it's against the law to have your name on two leases. And if he knew where the ex lived, he would be able to report him and then he would not be able to get any of the security deposit back from Jason. When I met Jason, his ex still came over for dinners all the time and they were hanging out. How would you not know where your ex lives if you're having dinners with them and you also have their washer and dryer? He had told me that he uh, was a 911 dispatcher for a while. Actually, that was his ex's job. How can you have 3,000 people at a wedding? Did you have a stadium, a football field? Where would you park all these cars? Bullshit. The situation around his sister dying. So his sister was killed, unfortunately, by her husband. And every report that I read stated that they had gone out drinking and came home and there was an argument that caused one of them to get the gun and it went off, just discharged first. And the police came to the house and discussed with them and they were both fine and whatnot. And then later that night, the husband killed him and her. Nowhere did I read anywhere that it said that Jason was supposed to be there or that Jason's name was even associated with it. His grandfather dying. Every report that I read about his grandfather dying stated that there was a gas leak outside and his grandfather was on oxygen and a pilot light went off and it literally caused a fire and an explosion. Didn't mention a girlfriend, didn't mention anything about Jason was supposed to be there, nothing. His friend Connor, who he told me that he didn't speak to. And the first day he got back to Utah, he said, Connor's bringing you over scout. And I said, I, two weeks before I'd asked him, I said, I thought you weren't talking to him. And he said, oh no, I made up with him. And I said, Jason, that's a little weird. We just talked about this. Well, he doesn't have to come over. I said, it doesn't matter to me. I just think it's a little weird that you now have him over. Well. Connor's more than that. Connor, I think, and him were probably dating right before he met me or were still dating and he was just trying to get money out of me because when I went back and looked, the whole time Jason was here, he was liking all of Connor's pictures on Instagram and sending messages. Why did he move his address? So that way he could tell the story that I was a cheater because see, he was even gonna move here and live with me. That's why he even changed his address because he had to have a story to get out of this lies that he created and not have people wonder if he was a you know a fraud because remember i don't know what lies he told in utah when he moved here because all his friends and people who had a key to his house were told to stay away the weekend that i was there the irs debt oh that was actually a bankruptcy with him and his ex that he still is paying on grocery money he never bought groceries he just kept the money and if you think that i'm cheating on you since april why the fuck did you stay till July, almost August? Oh, because you were getting money 
and you were getting gifts and you knew exactly what you were doing. Because if it was so horrible that I was cheating on you, you would have gone. But no, you were milking it. And then when it was no longer going to be good for you or your life in Utah was catching up with you, you had to go. And there was other weekends prior to that that I was on call for four days. You didn't leave those because you wanted to wait till after your birthday to see what you got as gifts. Right. And who were the gifts from? Oh, the horrible cheater. You know, the person that you have to get away from as quick as possible. He took my old iPhone and broke into it and was reading text messages and going on Scruff. And he eventually created a fake profile to follow me. He said he accidentally created a fake profile. You know, those 36 clicks, adding a picture and getting verified accidentally. When he left, he had left a few things here and there. And so I boxed them all up and I bought... 400, I think, count each of fake $100 bills, and I stuffed the whole box with that as the tissue paper, and I sprayed my cologne all over it. And when I took it to the post office, the postmaster told me that it was going to be really expensive because of the shape and how big it was. And I told him, sir, this is my ex's belongings. There's no money that I won't pay to get rid of it. And it was $30 and like 52 cents. And I told him, I overpaid by 52 cents. When Jason got the package, he then Venmoed me the $30.52, which then I replied back, why don't you pay me back for all the other things that I gave you money for? And he blocked me then on Instagram and on Venmo. One night I was driving to California to go see my mom for her birthday in September. And I had remembered that we had two Spotify playlists. Well, one of them he had completely taken me off of. And the other one he had placed songs on the day before and then locked it. And all the songs were about home, let me go home. And the other one was about uh, if he stopped breathing or something, would I be there and whatnot. And I'm like, you motherfucker, trying to play a little psychological games with me. But I didn't bite. About a month or so after Jason left, I sent him a box of rubber balls on Amazon with a card that said, from all your exes, since you never grew a pair. And that was the last communication I've had with him. And one day I know I'll show up in Utah and I will surprise him and he'll fucking be shocked to death and I'll hear the real story. Immediately after Jason left, I found myself in a horrible situation, depression wise, and relearning this house again because it had become kind of his and mine and kind of some of it because I was spending a lot of time in Olympia, almost felt like as if I was more the visitor than he was. And the dogs were gone. It was so sad. I would leave work and I would almost start crying thinking about how alone I was going to be without the dogs and without just another person here. And so I had spoken to some coworkers about it and we decided that it was time for me to get another dog. And within weeks I ended up getting Lucifer, who is my sweet little pup that I have now. And I relearned my house and kind of got myself out of that, you know, depression and just kind of sadness and everything that came with it. And I'm back and I'm ready. And like I always say, I'm not looking for a relationship, but I'm optimistic that I'll find one. And we still don't know what's true and what's a lie from Jason. Ruth, Jay, and I play games every now and then to try to guess different narratives or different stories of what was really going on or what he told us was true or not. And it'll just be there until we know one day, if ever.
One of the best things about becoming an adult and growing older is you become the master of your own universe. And then one day you have to let somebody into your kingdom and then things change. But here's what I know. One, if the person is the right person and you really are into this person, it's easy to let them in. Number two, don't avoid the flags. Do not push them aside. Number three, be alone for the right reasons, then with somebody for the wrong ones. And number four, you're your own motherfucking cheerleader, so you should put yourself first and you should cheer for yourself in any situation. And number five, in the words of the great philosopher, Beyonce Knowles, you must not know about me. But seriously, will you be my new ex-boyfriend? Nah, you're my friend, but keep your hands above the sheets there, pervert. Holy crap, children of the corn. This episode was an hour and 23 minutes long. Whew, that was a lot of talking. But again, thank you for listening. This is another week that we've managed to get through together. I want to thank all of you from all over who have been sending me messages and listening. But please remember, write a review, tell a friend, subscribe, and I'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to A Mo Story.